Hi, I'm Muse, and you're listening to the Court of Owlets. <laughs> oh god. No, no. Just envision the magic wand drawing the owl logo, and you're good. And I'm joined by Joe. I'm Joe. I'm a podcaster, and my life is pretty great. And V. Hi. I didn't know we were all preparing for our sitcom roles. I didn't know either. I was just starting the the, out, the intro, and Joe just took it. So, uh, if you can't tell from the title of this episode and our dumb intro, this week we are having a special episode where we are talking about WandaVision. Even though most people have already jumped on this bandwagon, we're a bit late to it, because we were avoiding Future State and kind of forgot this existed a bit. We're mostly going to be going um, episode by episode. And then at the end, we're going to give our predictions for what's going to happen. Keep in mind that as of recording, episode 7 hasn't come out yet. We only have up to episode 6. So we have no idea what's going to happen in tomorrow's episode. Whatever we talk about could be right, could be wrong. But right now, WandaVision is really highly rated on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. It has about an 8.2 average out of 10 on IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes, critics give it a 90% and audiences give it an 80. We'll see if these ratings stay by the end of the series, but so far it's huge. I think it's also mainly because of the huge just slump of people dealing with COVID and needing something to Mm. preoccupy themselves with. But at the same time, I am enjoying this, not just because I'm a huge Marvel fan, but I think they're doing a pretty good job all things considering, but we might get some better improvement into their series later on down the line because we have way more ahead of us. Yeah. So we're going to combine actually episodes one through three because they can really be wrapped up, especially considering after episode four, we got more explanation for what's been really mm-hmm. going on. And episodes one through three were very much sitcom. Yeah. Um, with important stuff, like there are a lot of subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. Um Regardless, these three episodes, Wanda and Vision struggle to conceal their powers uh, between dinner with Vision's boss and the community talent show, and Wanda's pregnancy fritzes her powers and she and Vision prepare for an accelerated delivery. Episode 1 is a TV reference to the 50s with the Dip Van Dyke show, episode 2 was 60s with Bewitched, and episode 3 was the 70s with the Brady Bunch. Well, the first three episodes, I really could not get into this Mm -hmm. show. Just because I've seen all these shows before. Mm -hmm. I know, like, I was one of those lucky kids that grew up getting to watch a lot of these old, like, black and white TV shows or movies or whatever. Not everybody had the experience, because I know, like, even in school, I can mention Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, and people just, like, raise their eyebrows at me, because they have no (laughs) idea who I'm talking about. But... I mean, like, it's cool to see how they can parody that, but I also don't want to watch an episode I've already seen before with revamped characters. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it again in the Marvel Universe. I feel like they really could have just combined those two together because it didn't really serve any purpose for the rest of the series. Only to just show this is what Something's not to right. expect. Yeah. yeah. And kind of hint something's wrong. What's up with this entire town? Why are Wanda and Vision being a part of a sitcom? Mm-hmm. Totally I mean, it, agree. it was a little hard to get into any sort of uh, suspension of disbelief. 
because you're constantly being shown sort of the director doing his own thing. Like, it's clearly a labor of love, but it's not our labor of love. (laughs) So it really just feels like you have to sit through the writing. I don't know, they're doing it for like shits and giggles, which is fine if you're running a YouTube video, like our channel, you can have these sorts of fun skits, but it all just kind of felt like it didn't justify itself. The parody wasn't enough of a parody. Mm-hmm. No, it really wasn't. It was really just uh, shallow aping of conventions that have happened before, down to the gimmick. The gimmicks themselves were lifted. The plots were lifted, the beats were lifted, the jokes were lifted, the mannerisms were lifted. It's good that you can do an impersonation of TV Land characters and sort of recreate uh, existing TV shows, but like, since it is that medium, it's not theater. It's an existing TV show, so making a TV show of a TV show, it's already kind of dicey. So you kind of have to give us a little bit more than that. And uh, I want to say that going forward, it's going to be a lot easier for people who just binge things to forgive it than it is for people who had to wait through Mm -hmm. it. They gave it first two, and it was like practically nothing. And then they gave us another week, and it was like practically nothing. And then they're like, all right, stay tuned. It's going to get crazy. It's like, it should have gotten crazy already. (laughs) Yeah, the lead-in was a bit slow. I will definitely agree. I kind of understand maybe like, when it comes to trying to give the subliminal message, like, references to things, like, something's wrong with this town, like, you didn't want to throw all of that into maybe one episode, like, but at the same time, I think you could have. I think you really could have combined episode one and two. Mm-hmm. Episode three was still kind of slow, but it definitely gave us more with the fact of her actually having the pregnancy the whole thing with Geraldine, which we'll get into in a little bit, that was definitely setting up for, oh, snap, what is this? Um, And then also, what was going on with Agnes and Herb over outside? You're like, that's when you started to, I think it was starting to really grab at you at that point. Like, it it was starting to get the claws in, but episode four was when it was like, welcome. (laughs) It it went from, like, spoon-feeding you to going, here's the airplane, just shoving it down your throat. <laughs> They're like, you, guess what? There's a mystery. People are here against their will. It's like, no, no, we got that. Yeah. We've been waiting for you to tell us something else that wasn't the reveal. <laughs> yeah, for me, like, it wasn't even, like, <laughs> sinking the claws in. The drape wasn't even fully put up. You were able to see what was going on backstage. <laughs> I understood. Everything's wonky. You've been portraying that in all the trailers, all the articles. You can pick that up in the first five minutes of Vision magically putting his face on before the guests are going to work. Like, we we know he's dead. We know this is fake. We know that someone is keeping them here. We know that it's not the townspeople. But yes, it was nice to see them starting to, like, drop the charade a little bit. Not the individual characters, but the writers. Yeah, the writers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds mean to say, but I don't mean it that way at all. Like, the writing is not clever enough for it to pull off a slow reveal. The writing mm-hmm. gets good when they're just like, we're an action show. You want to see some action, kids? And we're like, yeah, that would be great. As, as soon as we see what's going on outside, it's like, yes. Because everyone yeah. went wild 
to see their favorite characters, right? Mm-hmm. So I won't spoil it too much until you reveal that part, but like I know that as soon as we left Westview, I was much happier. Oh yeah, yeah. you were you were very hype. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, there were some interesting messages with the stage names that uh, Vision and Wanda put on, the fact that the Mind Stone was depicted on his little box of disappearance and mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the For the Children. Yeah, that was also creepy. Probably will come back to bite us in the butt, considering everything that's been slowly building up. But I think they had like a really good idea and concept with the, ooh, let's give them this like slow reveal. But I'm like, if you had given us WandaVision as this sitcom show, I think you could have had a better chance of dropping the curtain all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Casual people, people who just watch the MCU movies would probably be utterly shocked. Right. This has been a big issue with a lot of like gaming companies. They like give away the plot of their game or the plot of the whole movie in the trailers. It's like, guys, let people watch the film to figure out what the film is about. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it felt kind of lazy to me to just completely rip off a lot of this stuff. I feel like this is a plot of something that we've seen time and time again especially with the 70s episode i felt like i was watching a little bit of the truman show with the yeah agnes and herb talking to each other mm-hmm. about what's going on i've also had like similar vibes to like pleasantville yes like pleasantville mixed with that mixed with the twilight zone episode where the kid can like snap his fingers and everyone would just disappear yeah yeah there's it's, a lot of references there's a bunch of things and like, it's not a new plot it's mm-hmm. nothing completely original oh but Getting into actual original plot, we are going to move into episode four, where V's, one of her favorite characters, shows up, we get Monica Rambeau. Captain Marvel! The real one. (laughs) Yeah. She's tasked with a special assignment regarding sentient weapons and goes missing. Pops up all of a sudden in the middle of everyone coming back from the blip, as they call it. We still call it the snap. Shut up, Marvel. Um... (laughs) and goes to her job with S.W.O.R.D. So we finally get the introduction of S.W.O.R.D. She gets tasked with figuring out what is going on with Westview. Oh, they did her so well. Dude, I will talk about Captain Mar... (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Monica Rambeau all day. So we're obviously not going to get to call her Captain Marvel. We're also not going to get to call her Photon, because clearly that is her mother's call sign now which unfortunately means we're going to have to use her most recent call sign, which is stupid. (laughs) It is Spectrum, and I hate it. (laughs) Unless they do go with Photon because she's paying an homage to her mom? I mean, they could, but also they show where she works. uh, Is that place called Spectrum TV or something like that? Spectrum News? So they were giving a few hints that it might become Spectrum, and I think that's what they're going to go with. That's just mm-hmm. my prediction. Right. I would like her to be Photon because I think Spectrum's a dumb name. It's fine. So I think I've talked about her before. Uh, if you don't know who Monica Rambeau is, her first appearance was in The Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 16. That was in 1982. The first time I saw her was in her 1989 self-titled uh, Captain Marvel Number 1. Um, it was written by Dwayne McDuffie, who was one of her creators, and drawn by Doc Bright. She is this incredible person. She's very close with her mom. She's close with her dad, which is already deviating from the MCU. And she has a military background. 
but she is a civilian now and she's working as a sailor and has lost her powers so in this one she's getting them back but different i absolutely loved her everything after that though they like dragged her through the mud <laughs> a lot of writers threw her around like a rag doll from one name to another to being the leader of i think the west coast avengers or yeah. it was I the, think avengers. the avengers the avengers, the avengers. yeah and she did a really bad job and oh. yeah <laughs> they made her like completely incompetent very different person than she was in this one where she had a very similar like situation as jessica cruz she was dealing with like some similar to post-traumatic stress like mm -hmm. symptoms and she was like afraid all the time but she fought through that fear to protect other people and it was i don't know it was hard hitting it was beautiful i love her so much i'm going to follow this very closely because how they've portrayed her so far it's exactly that monica <laughs> i like her i'm really enjoying this actress i'm enjoying this writing so getting to see her and with Jimmy Woo, <laughs> I know I can't stop thinking about The Office, but he's great in this, and I'm really enjoying their chemistry with Darcy. Mm -hmm. The banter between the three of them is great because they're all just civilians that have had connections with super-powered people. Like, Jimmy is an FBI guy who's dealt with Ant-Man. To be honest, I want to see him do his close-up magic, please and thank you. Please let that be a thing that he does that solves an issue. And then Darcy from Thor. And then I noticed also they referenced <laughs> scrolls on the whiteboard. And yeah. like, yeah. I was thinking, I wonder if Monica's friend is a scroll. <laughs> Just because like they could tie that in because she had already made friends with scrolls. So she's like established herself as an ambassador pretty early on between species. So, could be interesting if they bring any scrolls on board before the end of this. Maybe. Honestly, this is the one that hooked me into the series, just because you got mm -hmm. to see that things were actually going on in the outside world. Yeah, it was nice to see Jimmy again, it was nice to see Darcy again, especially because I feel like Darcy's really hasn't gotten enough of the, in the spotlight in the, mm -hmm. either of the Thor movies. She definitely could have been played up a little bit more to show you more of her intelligence. I was just happy to actually see something that was not wrapped in a sitcom parody. <laughs> it's refreshing. Yeah. And also mm -hmm. the acting, the quality, everything felt very much like a new MCU film instead of a mm -hmm. TV series, which was extremely pleasant. We're essentially getting like an MCU film, but very much stretched out, which is kind of nice that they're tackling it that way. Also, as Joe mentioned with Darcy, I was surprised and proud that Darcy got her doctorate in astrophysics, like <laughs> physics. physics, because when we first saw her in Thor, she was a poli-sci major, and then in Thor The Dark World, she was just doing an internship, and that was the only internship that was available, but I think she might have, I can't remember because Thor The Dark World is just... Yeah, no one really has any good things to say about that one. No. I want to say that is one of the lowest rated uh, yeah. MCU movies. I'm sorry, Eccleston is a good actor, and he can ham up things, as we see with his other films, but why did they write Malika to be edgy and dark? It made no sense, but... I still can't believe this girl knows any of the words she's saying. <laughs> she talks about science the same way, like people in the 1950s on TV drove cars. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
you know, just like wildly swinging and it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing to you. And you're like, no, you're not driving that car. (laughs) (laughs) She's cute. It's nice to hear her talk. It's nice to see her, even though I don't believe anything she's doing, but it's fine. So episode five is when we start getting more of like that mix between the sitcom world and the outside world, which is kind of nice. This one, of course, is the 80s, so we get reference for Growing Pains and Full House. And even though most people reference uh, Full House with the 90s, because that's where it had most of its seasons, its first episode aired in 87, so it was, like, right at the cusp there. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they mixed the two together, because it, it definitely created a, a weird but familiar hybrid. Mm-hmm. And you get those disturbing young vision pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were weird, but yeah, I, I think I felt more inclined with the sitcoms references in episode five onward because I did watch them and that the other ones I was like, <gasps> you didn't watch TV land. No, I didn't. Oh my gosh. That was like all I was allowed to watch. Cause it was the good <laughs> shit. <laughs> I did watch some of the Brady Bunch, just not that much. But this episode, well, last episode, we got the twins being born, and I squeed. In episode three, yeah. I know, me and V were watching this, and as soon as we saw that one scene of her going into labor, I'm like, oh, I think I can hear Muse screaming all the way across the country. (laughs) We felt it on, like, a psychic level. (sighs) Yeah, I was very happy. (laughs) But this one, they start out as babies in a crib, and then somehow all of a sudden turn into toddlers. Mm-hmm. And then later on they age up. I would say closer to seven or eight. No older than ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, we get my we get my two favorite characters. You also got to see more of the surrealism and more of the characters showing they understand what's going on in terms mm-hmm. of like this fake reality. Especially Vision, who is not taking it as lightly as everybody else seems to be. Mm -hmm. This one, I think, was definitely a turning point for Vision, because he's really starting to actually question it. And then Agnes also having that weird out-of-character moment, asking, do you want me to do that again? Yeah. You want me to do that take again? And Wanda's like, what? So there's also like confusion on Wanda's end of she's not as much in control of this world as she thinks she's aware of. Right, and it starts manifesting with the children first. Yeah, but at the same time, Agnes says in that episode where she's like sitting there on their bar top, she says this really throwaway line of like, you can't control the kids. Well, I think it was pretty there. <laughs> it was yeah, not it, subtle. it was pretty there. <laughs> It was more of like a, oh, you can't control kids, like how parents just can't, con- literally can't control their kids a lot of the time is being like, stop doing that. In this, she cannot manipulate her kids like she can the rest of this town because they were aware of the day change. Because TV logic, like, days just don't really matter. Days just skip in TV land. So, but the boys are aware of like how days should go and dad should not be at work. Mm-hmm. And also, kind of going back to episode three just a bit, remember the stork? Yeah. That she couldn't magic away, and how the pictures were doing all crazy things? Mm-hmm. I don't think that was her subconsciously doing that because pregnant. I think it's Billy. Yeah. In the stomach because she couldn't magic it away. 
Yeah, I, I felt like that was one of the more obvious signs, too, for people that do know Wiccan and uh, Speed. They know that Wiccan's powers are very similar to Wanda, and mm -hmm. it just proves even more that I'm sure what people assumed, that they were not going to have regular kids <laughs> because of Wanda being who she is, Vision being who he is. Obviously, mm -hmm. the kids were going to inherit at least one of their powers, and I'm speaking as I like that for somebody who may have just been like a casual MCU fan and knows nothing about like the comics they would be expecting one or the other and magic is definitely mm -hmm. up there on the list speaking of things another reference V do you want to mention our little oh. furry friend yeah you were really excited that Sparky showed up weren't you I was like oh poor doggy <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there was that they introduced a dog the kids find in a really contrived way, have the dog go up to a an outlet. And so a lot of people have been like, oh, what does it mean? It just means that, in my opinion, Agnes could say, oh, he should be called Sparky. So then they'd be like, oh, that's a great name. Let's name it Sparky. Um, Sparky, <laughs> if you had the misfortune of ever reading The Vision, <laughs> or sorry, Vision by Tom Keane, it was a series uh, where Vision basically remade as a less likable version of himself, does what Ultron did, and just makes new synthesoids to be his wife, Virginia, and then between the two of them they make two children. And at some point, uh, Virginia kills a guy called the Grim Reaper and leaves his armor out in the yard where a neighbor's dog goes and finds it, gets electrocuted, and then they're like, oh no, a dead dog. Vision takes the dead dog, basically Frankensteins it into their new synthesoid dog, <laughs> Sparky. And uh, Sparky's a different type of dog entirely, but he's very likable. Dies like two times in the series, once by being electrocuted. They make it look like he's died, but maybe he was just stunned. The second time he dies is by Virginia. And this is why I bring it up. It's because it's a little weird. There is a plant in the Vision series, and you should know that Agatha Harkness plays a huge part in this series as the deceased but still functioning mentor for Wanda. She is a witch, much like Wanda. She lives, or at least travels, to Mount Wundagore, where there's a plant called the Everbloom. Now, the Everbloom can tell you the future if you eat one of its petals, but there's this, there's a catch. To actually tell the future, you have to... <laughs> it's so gross. The plant must be twice consumed, once out of hunger and the second time through murder. So to tell the future, Agatha, um, she gets her cat familiar to eat a petal, and then she kills it, and she rips its stomach out and then eats the petal out of the animal's stomach and then oh. she can tell the future yes <laughs> so that sets up what happens later in the series when virginia vision's wife murders sparky in cold blood she just punches him to death and then she rips him open and takes the plant out of his little cyborg belly it's all metal but it decided to eat a petal it was very weird i didn't understand why it happened it's never explained but she does eat the petals and then she can see the future. So, in the show, Agnes, who everyone pretty much has just accepted as Agatha Harkness. Oh yeah. Um, 
she is seen picking up dead Sparky, and she's clearly just murdered him. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, I found him! He was eating my flowers! Oh man, he died from, you know, the flowers. And I'm just like, well, I don't think they're gonna go through explaining all of that to make that part of the canon that, you know, she had like a ever bloom in her yard and <laughs> and she was killing the dog to see the future, but it's definitely um, a reference. Yeah. And I can see how Tom Keen might have influenced that part of it. <laughs> but as for what she was really doing with the dog, I have no idea. There's so many subliminal messages and ways to like manipulate Wanda. Like early on it was for the children and then she got pregnant and then there were so many like hints for her to get to have kids to start a family and then this one it was like oh there's something dead and the kids are asking her to bring it back i can't remember how she got on the topic of like them knowing that she could bring things back from the dead aka vision coming back Mm -hmm. we all know she brought vision back though how is another story entirely but the boys are pressuring her to bring it back, but she's like, I'm not going to... But she also tells them to, like, not age again. She has a really sweet conversation with them saying, like, don't age up to try and deal with the pain as an adult, like, thinking you could do with it better. Deal with it now when you can. Well, she was telling them not to, yeah, don't run away from the pain. You just have to deal with it, which is kind of the opposite of what she's doing, but (laughs) (laughs) okay. But, you know, parents always being hypocritical. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) But at the very end of the episode, she kind of brings someone back from the dead. (laughs) Allegedly. Yeah. Well, before that, even, she gets into a whole argument with Vision. Who is actually starting to lash out now about, like, what is going on. Because I believe even in an episode in the beginning, like... He was trying to tell Wanda nothing makes sense. It seems to be all mm-hmm. in her head when Billy and Tommy as babies automatically stop crying when Wanda stopped thinking about them. And when he comes back inside from burying Sparky, he gets into a whole argument with Wanda, and because Wanda doesn't want to hear about this argument, she starts to roll the credits. I love that. <laughs> I will say this was one of the great scenes. Vision's like, what is this? What's going on here? <laughs> We're not done. <laughs> and then you finally get to see them in like more of like a non-sitcom uh, camera angle, having this discussion where both of them actually float up into the air in frustration, and Vision is yelling at her for once, and Wanda's so taken aback by it because he's never raised his voice at her. All of a sudden, the doorbell rings, and we get Pietro, her brother, as a guest appearance, very much reminded me of Uncle Jesse in Mm, Full House. But it is not the Pietro everybody knew from the MCU. It is the one from the X-Men universe played by Evan Peters, which everybody freaked out about. (laughs) Everyone was saying that this was the episode that cost things like $16.3 billion dollars because that was the amount that it costed for Disney to get the rights back to the X-Men. Destroyed a lot of livelihoods, that merger, but I'm glad that they could get this out of it. Oh, did the theories just start to pour out of the entire fandom after that? (laughs) We'll get to our theories in a bit, but 
Another little small thing with that argument that Wanda and Vision had, besides the fact that Wanda's like, I don't know what's going on. Vision says, I don't know anything before this. He does not remember the Avengers, he does not remember Ultron, he doesn't remember Tony Stark. Yeah, and you see that in episode one as well, when they're at dinner with his boss, and he asks them, like, when did they get married? How'd they move to Westview? Where were but they before? Even Wanda was confused. She was like, we were... Yeah. Huh. But Vision literally has no memories. But Wanda remembered Ultron. She remembered Pietro's death mm-hmm. in episode three. But episode six continues the crazy train with the 2000s and 90s reference with Malcolm in the middle mm-hmm. and just all the 90s and 2000s stuff. I was thriving this episode because I was like, the stuff I grew up on, this is my childhood, this is great. The creepy claymation-y Gobert commercial. <laughs> I will say those those subliminal messaging commercials just... It's not even subliminable at that point. They're very obvious, but they're, I think there are a lot of her fears and her issues, her deep-seated issues, like Lagos and Strucker and the stark toaster <clears throat> i mean the stark bomb and also that was her nickname for him in the vision series which i hated i hated that yeah. nickname yeah I, I heard about that one too and you mentioned the toaster thing i was like oh but yeah. episode six is our obligatory halloween episode with the special guest appearance pietro immediately as soon as this episode happened and my boy comes down the stairs wearing his freaking Halloween costume, dresses himself from the comics. I died. Also, very hard to see because it is like a dark bluish black. It's sparkly. There's, there's a little <laughs> bit of a sparkle to it. It's like a good so costume. I, like, I liked it a lot. And of course, Tommy's like, you look like a Dorcasaurus Rex. I'm like, thank you for the character consistency. Like, Even like what I was funny too because we have recorded our last episode before this past episode obviously Mm -hmm. and how you were mentioning tommy was always kind of like bullying uh billy in a couple ways and then you see the two of them playing the dance revolution games and he trips them (laughs) and it it was nice to see like everybody for the most part aside from tommy i want to say it was like in their comic accurate costumes Mm -hmm. His outfit is green and white. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Marvel's version of Impulse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, yeah. we already do have the green equivalent of that in the character known as Inertia in the DC Universe. <laughs> Inertia's just a jerk. But yeah, but I mean, like, Tommy was obviously just doing what the cool uncle-slash-older-brother figure Pietro was mm-hmm. doing. Which, of course, he would, because they they are similar, and he can learn from them. Exactly. He's making it look cool. It was hilarious, him being trying to be the the cool uncle, trying to shake things up. But there's actually kids in this episode besides our kids, so... Right, which was another point that Vision made to Wanda in Mm -hmm. the episode previous, episode five. Like, like where are all the other kids? Mm -hmm. Well, now he's getting them, but we're starting to see the city break down because of it. Well, it could be not because of it, but it seemed to be straining Wanda a little. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I thought until the end. Yeah. When we see that, oh, she had a lot more to give. This is not my final form. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is not. It kind of feeds into my pet theory that I think she's not even using just her own powers. I think she's borrowing from a deeper well. Mm. Probably. But 
we get them going trick-or-treating visions like uh i got neighborhood watch duty stuff to do but it was his excuse to go and try and like check stuff out while wanda's currently distracted with her brother and the kids so during most of this visions trying to get further and further away towards the edge of town and he starts to see signs of glitchy townsfolk or just completely stopped people the further out he gets i'm like this is like a video game the further they get away from wanda's knowledge the less they function possibly or like v said maybe adding the kids put an additional strain and now it's more for her to handle but i think between that and because wanda always has everybody close by she mainly just needs to focus on within like a certain radius of herself Mm-hmm. So she doesn't really need to put as much effort into those, like, the border property of Westview. Yeah. If they need to go to those areas, she'll, like, activate them. Exactly. So. Like, she could just keep them idle. But as we saw, I think it was, yeah, it was in the previous episode when Vision was at work, this is putting a huge mental strain on the townsfolk of Westview. But we don't know the full extent of it. And... Also, more references. We get a kick-ass reference. Thank mm-hmm. you. That was hilarious. The fact that Evan Peters and the previous PHR were both the kick-ass. Which V found out today. Yeah, I knew that there were two ah! people. Like, people kept talking about kick-ass, and I was like, who is the other actor? Because <laughs> I just completely forgot that Pietro number one was kick-ass. Or was yep. in kick-ass. He was kick-ass. He was kick-ass. Mm-hmm. He was kick-ass. I do not remember that film at all. I do remember hating it. That's I saw it. it once, and that was it. <laughs> I saw both, but it's okay. Um, the we I uh, have a Need for Speed said by the mm-hmm. child that eventually becomes Speed, and then Pietro shouting something Demon Spawn. Yep. Yeah. Which of course got everybody's eyes brows raising. Thank you for actually picking really good child actors. These kids are really good and expressive. Yeah. Um, Vision gets too far to the edge, actually goes through the hex. And starts to break apart, mm-hmm. which causes Billy, his, uh, yes, it is telepathy. It is telepathic empathy. He, he's had some empathy abilities before, and mm-hmm. it's similar to what happens with Wanda when she felt Pietro die. She didn't actually see it. She wasn't there. She felt the emotion. She felt him dying. Um, it was kind of similar with Billy, like, sensing his dad just all of a sudden just in pain. And then stops his brother. Thing. Billy's magic and rally warping abilities are very similar to Wanda's this mm-hmm. week noticed so wanda expands the hex well past the boundaries because she is done with sword shit and needs to also protect vision i was gonna say because she could feel vision breaking out or she could have just gone to vision but nope she kept going and darcy gets sucked in Mm -hmm. while monica and jimmy are trying to find some way back into the hex. Well, they knew they wouldn't have been themselves if they went in that way. They did need an anchor, and Darcy was the volunteer anchor, but I don't think... Um, it wasn't as intended. <laughs> I think it's going to go in the opposite way now. So then, tomorrow, she's probably going to reprise her role from Two Broke Girls. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> probably. We're going to get a Two Broke Girls reference. Whatever Darcy found while they were like snooping, she probably knows it and can't tell them because she's in sitcom Juju Land right, right now. Same thing with like how Monica was in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. That sums up most of 
the series right now. We did, I kind of forgot to mention a lot of what was going on outside of sitcom land. Pretty much it's the standard yeah. military procedure when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Like, they are menace, they need to be put down, so we are just mm -hmm. going to send whatever we can into there and destroy it. Yeah, well, Monica's trying to appeal to yeah. Wanda. She feels like this is a cry for help from Wanda, and she wants to be there. And through her going in the hex and out very forcibly, something has rewritten her DNA, and Darcy figures this out somehow. And if she goes back into the hex, it might fully mm -hmm. do it. So this is obviously our way of getting Photon slash Spectrum slash Captain Marvel. Right. Slash mutants. <laughs> slash mutants, possibly. But, uh, <laughs> you know, three more episodes, and I'm pretty certain episode seven is when shit's really going to hit the fan. How did everyone feel about the show overall? You know, it's it's definitely, like I said, it's, it's fun. Um, we're definitely getting more of our favorite characters from the MCU. And I think it's going to make a lot of things a lot easier to swallow. It's going to cover over the bad writing um, if we get these characters acting in character. And for all mm -hmm. of my complaints about Tom Keen's greasy little fingerprints on this script, I do really appreciate that these characters are more optimistic than they would ever be allowed to be in a Tom Keen uh, TV oh, show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thankfully did not give him the full reins. Oh, no. He definitely didn't direct this, is what I'm saying. This is not him. It has some influence, but it's yeah. definitely not him. I mean, these characters are likable. They're relatable. They're lovable. I appreciate how everyone is given the motivations they need. Of course, not the government people, but I think we're going to get into that a little bit later. I think that the director definitely has, like, some, like, from the very mm. beginning, his little stupid power tricks made him look very small and uh, sort of, what do you call it, uh, insecure. He seemed very insecure the whole time. Like, he definitely is afraid of Monica in a weird way. Yeah. And has been looking for a way to discredit her this whole time. It might be because of the fact that people probably really respected her mother. So if she comes in and tries to maybe take over or tries to undermine what he's saying, a lot of people are going to support her because they're like, well, her mom was a great person and we know who Monica is. Well, Monica clearly worked there and like she yes. should have gotten his job but since she if wasn't she there he was there so even on her own merit it seems like she has the cred that he wants and at the same time he's been doing some shady stuff that I mean pretty clearly speaks to the actual Avengers event where the government did take Vision apart and just mm -hmm. completely dissect him and try to use him as a weapon I think the original, in the comics, they were saying, oh, he's too dangerous, oh, he was made by Ultron, we need to get rid of him, and we're just going to wipe his brain clean. You can have all these pieces back after we've destroyed everything that is Vision, which isn't cool. But what this director clearly says to Monica, with no subtlety at all, is, oh yeah, we're sword, we do synthetic weapons, 
And basically, if he was there and he was being experimented on, it means that they straight up are trying to turn him into a weapon. Or make more weapons. From him, right, right. Kind of a Tony Stark, Ultron thing. So it's a more aggressive take on the comic book version, but in both, the government is the bad guys. They're very one note. So that's an easy one. I think the real fun is trying to figure out how this ties into Doctor Strange and who the supernatural villains are, if there are any. Mm-hmm. Overall, the format, from the beginning, I was kind of like, this is new. It's interesting. I like when people take risks. I think the actual execution didn't quite live up to the hype for me. Mm-hmm. But I really love Elizabeth Olsen ever since she came onto the scene, and she's just been growing on me ever since. I think that the rest of the supporting cast is very random and fun. <laughs> Especially Agnes. Agnes is great. She <laughs> very much typecasted, though, the actress. She does play the same role quite frequently. She played the same role in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I feel like she was either in The Office or Parks and Rec, where she played also like the very similar Parks role. Parks and Rec. Yeah, Parks sure, and Rec. Yeah. yeah, no, she's lovely, and she's doing a great job here. I hope that she plays a huge part in the end and I'm pretty sure she will. I really do enjoy the show. I will agree the beginning was slow but because of the already sparked intrigue into the mystery of what's going on with this town I was already hooked. With or without uh, Billy and Tommy being introduced I was very much hooked. I didn't know if they were going to have them be more than babies or toddlers and Mm -hmm. then I saw what happened in episode five and I was like okay I find it entertaining and every week I'm like trying to find like the references and any inconsistencies because I am a freaking Robin over here and I just like uh, <laughs> to solve the mystery before it ends but the problem is this one is not giving me what I want like it's it, I will say it is withholding a ton of information still also also here for Billy and Tommy and they've done a good job with them. There it is. We know. <laughs> the acting just not for them but like Monica, she just stole the show in episode 4. That was nice. I was like, is she just going to get a cameo? But no, they took her all the way, which was great. I was surprised because up until Captain Marvel the film started to get trailers, I hadn't seen many people who liked or referenced Monica. But as soon as that film debuted, a bunch of people were like, it should have been Monica. And I was like, oh, my heart. People (laughs) like her. This is wonderful. So Mm -hmm. I was really excited to see and commiserate with other fans. It sounds like, you know, Marvel heard them and was like, guess what? We're going to actually pay the homage that is due to this really amazing character. And I think she's killing it. Yeah, I'm really excited. Anything you're looking forward to, Joe? No. (laughs) I'm really just, like, very casually watching this show. It could not pull me on the first three episodes. Like, yeah, after episode four, I am more interested into it. But overall, I am still very much, like, just watching this to see it to the end and how it connects to the rest of the MCU. That's fair. And you're kind of holding out for the the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. I'm so ready for that. I love buddy cops. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love buddy cops. So now that we're done talking about this show overall, let's move into some crazy conspiracy theories. 
So, off camera, before making this podcast episode, we decided to try and make a little challenge for ourselves for how we think this is going to play out, mostly in terms of who Pietro really is. Because all three of us have different opinions on Quicksilver in the show. <laughs> the wager is whoever is wrong has to create basically an intro song for an episode of WandaVision. Just like they've been doing so far throughout the series with Brady Bunch, Malcolm in the Middle, Bewitch, all that stuff. So we basically just have to come with with one ourselves if we lose. <laughs> we'll be announcing it as soon as the season ends. So we'll have at least two jingles, I guess, because there can only be <laughs> one winner. Yeah, we thought it was going to be one loser, and then I was like, oh wait, we all have three very differing opinions. So we'll get double whammies. Oh, here's the thing. I have the Dark Horse opinion, but I think you're both going to be singing jingles. Oh. Well, that's fine, because I thought of mine in the shower. <laughs> that's the best <laughs> place to find jingles. Good uh, job. Shower thoughts yeah. are just the best. No, they're not. I'll go first, then. I mean, my wager thing kind of ties into it also. So, like, overall, I feel like the main thing with this show, like I said in the beginning of this, like, it's something that's already been done before, where... There is a town, something's not right. It takes one of the protagonists to try and wake up the people of this town and make the antagonist come to their senses and release the place from its spell altogether. I feel like the whole thing is Wanda's grieving period over the loss of Vision. Because mm -hmm. as we've also noticed in the series, immediately after Tony Stark's funeral, Wanda busted into this government headquarters and took the dissected body of Vision. So I feel like this whole thing is her trying to slowly grieve and mourn the loss of him by, you know, pretending everything's fine and he's still alive. And what better place to do that than in a sitcom where there's always a moral lesson at the end of every episode and everybody always ends up happy for the most part. So along with that... I feel like there are forces at work here that are trying to push Wanda to her senses in order to release Vision and the rest of these people from this spell. Vision being one of those people, as we have been slowly seeing within like the past two episodes of him realizing more and more things are wrong with this town and things are going on with Wanda and they need to stop. One of those people... I believe that is helping to push this process along is Agnes. I'm definitely in full agreement along with V Muse and a bunch of other people that Agnes is <laughs> Agatha Harkness. I would have never came to that conclusion on my own because I do not read Marvel. I had no idea who Agatha Harkness was until V had to tell me. But I think that she is playing the role of not only helping Wanda come to this acceptance period, but possibly also testing her in a way of seeing just how powerful Wanda actually is. Because in that one episode where Sparky dies and the kids are jumping up and down saying that mommy can bring Sparky back to life, Agatha's eyes widened. Especially since like in the beginning of that episode, Wanda was already being a little more careless with using her powers around other people, which Vision calls her out on. And I also feel like what V was saying about Sparky eating the flowers may have something to do with it. I also think that X-Men Quicksilver 
definitely has another purpose aside from just showing that, hey, we're going to get the X-Men and Fantastic Four in the MCU now. Everybody rejoice. Because even Darcy calls out watching the episode, like, wait a minute, how could they recast Pietro? So I feel like it is the X-Men Quicksilver, but because he is put in this Avengers reality, he also has the memories of that Pietro, which is why he is able to say some of these fourth wall things. And also along with these fourth wall things, I feel like he's working with somebody in order to also help speed up this grieving process for Wanda because he starts interrogating her about things of like, how was she able to do all this and everything with the kids and kind of like approving of it in a way to try and get more on her side of like, come on, like I'm your brother, you can trust me. I feel like he is either working with Agatha or he's working with Doctor Strange. He's way too competent to be working with the government. (laughs) I feel like he would be working with one of them because As we know, Wanda's powers are reality warping. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like WandaVision was basically just a stage for Marvel to show just how powerful Wanda can be. Because they did not show this much power in any of the past MCU movies. Even Infinity War and Endgame, we did not see her this strong. This show definitely made me appreciate Wanda a whole lot more. But I think that in along with this reality warping, she was able to maybe unintentionally pull that X-Men Quicksilver into this reality. And unknowingly blending these multiverses, which is why Doctor Strange may be getting involved since his sequel movie Multiverse of Madness has to do with multiverses, and also why he has to be doing something with the third Spider-Man film. Mm. So I feel like this is definitely the segue point into getting more of the rest of phase four for the mcu but yeah overall i feel like it is a grieving thing vision's going to be the one for wanda to finally accept that he's gone and she can't bring him back and she's gonna drop the spell and i feel like quicksilver is the x-men quicksilver but he is working alongside other doctor strange or agatha harkness in order to push wanda to that acceptance that's my theory Well, I feel like mine's a little strange, and you're probably thinking it's not quite on the nose, but I'm going to go with it. I think it's Nightmare. If you don't know about Nightmare, you are not alone. I do not know who he was for the longest time. But there was this IGN interview with Scott Derrickson uh, from the first Doctor Strange, and he was saying how he really wanted Nightmare to be the main villain, in Multiverse of Madness, which is the Doctor Strange 2 movie, because Doctor Strange has such a strong history with him, and he is one of Doctor Strange's main antagonists. He also made some appearances in, like, um, Ultimate Spider-Man, and also even, like, in the Lego versions of, I think, the pictures. Yeah. So let's talk about Nightmare for, like, one quick sec. Please do. Okay, so he's, like, a major Doctor Strange slash ghostwriter villain. He first appeared in Strange Tales number 110 in 1963. Wow. So I guess things to keep a lookout for are green hair. He also rides a horse called Dreamstalker. (laughs) He controls fear, and he's one of the fear lords. So he's had, like, a few big events in Marvel history to make him kind of at the forefront. 
We haven't seen anything yet that's quite giving it away, but I think Pietro is Nightmare. And I think the reason is because he references Wanda's powers as being Nightmare-based. Even people outside of him, outside of the Hexagon, have been referencing this as a Nightmare, and I, I don't think that's unintentional. I know it's a long shot. I usually don't do long shots, but this is kind of where I'm at. <laughs> so he is a lot like some of the other suggested ones. I know yours, Muse, and I know also, yep. I always forget titles, good old baby hands. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> baby hands, man. The baby hand, man. Um, <laughs> if you're going to introduce a big bad, it's going to have to be a demon. And I know we've been avoiding the demons, but they're yep. kind of sneaking in here. So I know Nightmare is a demon. And given the history of the twins and where they're mm-hmm. supposedly from, uh, Nightmare kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. Especially, and I'm really hoping this isn't the case, but if everyone in that town is dead. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I mean, it would make what Wanda's doing a little less horrific. Mm-hmm. Like, controlling those people who are, like, just trapped, kind of like Jessica Jones style with the purple man. Right. They're just kind of trapped in their bodies, like, sobbing internally. And that sucks. And it would be a little bit better if they were dead. Because they're not eating. They're not taking care of themselves freely. They're trapped. She could be killing them. So we don't really know yet. I'm suspending judgment until I know what exactly she's done. But right now it's kind of looking horrific and it's kind of screams demon to me. And I think that just given the heads up from Scott Derrickson, I think there might be an opportunity for Nightmare to be setting up as like a big villain for the multiverse theory. I don't think Pietro's on Wanda's side, especially because of that tombstone like he knocks over, mm-hmm. where it was like, yeah. just said not on her side. <laughs> yeah. Like, not subtle ways at all. <laughs> yeah, he even said something like, I'm here to give you grief. And you're like, okay, like a lot of the times the random family member that shows up for like the guest appearance in an episode usually like stirs up trouble and then leaves this show is trying very hard to be clever i don't think they would put that in unintentionally they're like really trying Mm -hmm. to hint it just feels so self-satisfied they're like ha 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 feels like a riddler thing where it's like (laughs) we don't care if we get caught we're so smart we want you to figure it out Mm -hmm. anyways i think that's what it is well Going along with these, I will say, based off of certain things, like you said, there has to be a demon involved. And the most obvious answer is Mephisto, because he already played a role in the comics with um, the fact that Wanda created, when she created Billy and Tommy, she had to get their souls from somewhere, and she stole them from Mephisto. So Mephisto came back and ripped them from her, killing... her sons and that's when master pandemonium like sucked them into him and was like baby hands and you're like the heck and there have been a lot of references to the devil but very similar to like what v said like he's a big villain for dr strange as well so i think similar to joe i feel that wanda did pull quicksilver from the multiverse Mm. one of the things that we notice with monica's outfit she went in in her kevlar vest but she came out in a very 70s style outfit when she analyzed it it still said that it was kevlar 
So Wanda can't just take something from nothing. Like these people in the town, they are the townspeople. She might have altered some names when she was changing certain things. She was kind of like just mostly altering their appearance and not their makeup Mm -hmm. and i feel the same thing with pietro like that's going to be how we're going to connect with the multiverse is she has pulled him from the multiverse she couldn't actually bring her pietro back he is dead so the closest thing she could bring back was was another pietro so i will agree with joe that i think that it is the x-men pietro but i feel that maybe mephisto has taken over his body and is puppeting him around a bit because he is acting a bit out of character even for Evan Peters, this Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be really buddy-buddy with those twins. Yeah. Like he's trying to step in in front of Vision for a reason. Strange. And also something very subtle that's hard to tell because Agnes is dressed as a witch all in black. Mm-hmm. And she's also in a very dark car. But throughout the entire series, you she always has this brooch on her. Right. And it's a very obvious thing with Agatha Harkness. Well, a lot of witches hold, like, have certain brooches because they hold certain things, like with Raven and her chakra on her forehead holding Trigon. And in that scene with Vision where she's right at the edge of town for some odd reason, that is also the weird thing. Agatha's at the edge of town, not functioning. Vision mind whammies her and she has this weird freak out. She witch cackles and everything. But the first thing she does when she wakes out of her stupor is she grabs right, right where her chest is. And you think, oh, she's trying to feel her heartbeat because she's kind of like reaching over in that area. That's where her brooch would be. Right. So maybe Miss Sisto was in it and something happened. He broke free essentially of his little reliquary and there he went mm-hmm. into Pietro's body he was an easy host he was easy to manipulate because he was already close to wanda and which is why he was also able to kind of like break through the fourth wall a lot Mm -hmm. like i thought that that was just her protection against it and like maybe pietro stole it so that she wouldn't interfere it's a good theory too but regardless agatha did not have her her brooch in that latest episode but at the same time i feel that it could just be a red herring about mephisto in the comics related to wanda and her twins and this whole thing and i do know that china is also a big market when it comes to movies and when it comes to stuff like this yes this is a tv series but one of the things that they completely censor has to do with like the devil himself so having mephisto who is a lot more obviously devilish compared to Nightmare, would definitely be a no-no in China. I feel Nightmare would be, like, just thinking about that, would be a possible better fit. But I'm still going to go with Mephisto, because we have to all be different. (laughs) And I also feel like Nightmare is kind of like Marvel's response to DC's death. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, except like a bad version, because he controls the dreamscape or the dream world, whatever. I mean, that is the Marvel method. Take a DC character and downgrade it. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, yeah. So I think that might actually be an out. If you're like, oh, he's a god of a different dimension, then you don't have to say hell or devil or demon. Mm -hmm. You could just say one of the realms. Yeah, he's like no different than Dormammu. Dormammu is this evil entity in charge of the mirror dimension, and Nightmare is in charge of the like the dream realm. So, 
there you go. Yeah. Loophole. Um, and you could still madness multiverse hop through everything, but it still doesn't explain what the heck is going on with the twins. My biggest question is, are they going to pull a comics where the boys go poof mm. and their souls go into pre-existing teenagers that are eventually going to become Wiccan and Speed? Or mm. are they going to fully grow to teenagers in this movie verse and we're going to get like an impulse kind of situation where they grew up in this m- movie verse and they can't really interact with people outside and acclimate to stuff? So mm. I, I don't really know. I think it's more likely because then you get to bypass the whole issue of souls which once again brings up christianity which is you know not really cool in china right now <laughs> nope so i don't know the the big questions of what is their backstory where they how is it gonna work is these two and teddy those are the enigmas <sighs> poor dc they'll never catch up now no mm-mm They've just CW fallen behind. They just came tanking. Overall, this is definitely leading into the next phase four with the new team. That is, I think, everything for WandaVision for right now. I don't think we, it's hard to rate things right now, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Overall, I'd give the show, like, three out of five. I'm not, like, completely blown away by it, but no. I'm also not super disappointed yeah. now. Like mm-hmm. I said, it took, it took me to episode four to really like appreciate the show and i really do love how powerful they show wanda is mm-hmm. yeah i do like when they give wanda her due because like we all knew all of us comic book fans knew wanda was super powerful so getting to see her like face thanos and hold her own was really cathartic this is just icing on the cake yeah yep I think I'm with Joe. I wasn't expecting such a high rating from him, but honestly, like, I can't quite give it a four out of five right now, just because mm-hmm. half of it at this point was stuck on those parodies, mm-hmm. which is just not it. So I think as it goes along, the rating will probably go up. And then if it's a bad finale, of course, it'll ruin all the progress it's made for the rest of it. So it just kind of depends. We'll see who wins this weird wager, <laughs> if any of us even win the wager. Um, we had comics that came out this week, but we decided not to talk about them again because Future State sucks. <laughs> Except for Future State Catwoman, which did come out this week, and that is great. <laughs> yeah, only exception. <laughs> I will also say King and Black number four was great, and Thor number 12 was good for Marvel. So there you go. Three reviews. Boom! <laughs> I haven't read any of my comics for this week, though I barely had anything. So, Joe, would you like to read out next week's DC comic? Sure. It is the last week of Future State, guys. Get hyped! And also, get a little worried come <laughs> March with Infinite Frontier when normal comics resume because we have no idea what is going to become of the DC Universe by then. But for the comics that are coming out February 24th, we have Batman Black and White number three. Highly recommend it. V highly recommends it. Please pick it up. There are various short stories. Then we have Black Label Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number five. That is another great series from uh, Strong Gordon Murphy. Highly recommend that. The Future State titles Aquaman number two, Batman Superman number two. That's the other good one. Definitely pick that one up. Dark Detective number four. 
Legion of Superheroes number two, Suicide Squad number two, Superman House of L number one, Superman vs. Imperious Lex number two, which apparently the first issue made it canon that Lex Luthor stole 40 cakes. <laughs> that is what he is known for in the galaxy. Oh my god. That is some meta commentary right there. That I enjoy. Congratulations. <laughs> and then... Little stamp of approval. <laughs> we have Generations Forged, number one. This is another part of what was going to be 5G, which was spearheaded by Dan DiDio, and they didn't know what to do with these completed stories. We had Generations Shattered come out about a month ago. This is Generations Forged. Various writers and artists, such as Dan Jurgens, Robert Venditti, Mike Perkins, and Brian Hitch. The description is, Dispersed through time by the villain Dominus, our ragtag team of generational heroes featuring 1939 Batman, Kamandi, the last boy on Earth, Superboy, Steel, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, and Dr. Light must find a way to restore the timeline and what they ultimately discover is something far, far greater. It seems interesting enough. I would pick it up just because now it is not considered continuity and it just seems like an interesting story of characters from all these different timelines coming together. Then we have a new digital series called The Next Batman Second Son Chapter 1. This is a tie-in to Future State. It is being written by John Ridley. The description is, Now that the world knows Tim Fox is behind the mask, fighting against the magistrate in Gotham City, spoilers I guess for people that are reading the Future State titles, what's the truth behind his origin and his connection to the current DC Universe? At least it's digital only. (laughs) And then we have two more digital. We have Sensational Wonder Woman number 8 and Truth and Justice chapter 8. Alright, and for Marvel, V, could you read those out? Sure. We're getting The Amazing Spider-Man number 60, The Wonderful Black Cat number 3, Yes. Black Panther number 23, Captain Marvel number 26, Captain Marvel from Marvel Snapshots number 1, Keenan Black Namor number 4, Keenan Black Return of the Valkyries number 3, Maestro War and Pax number 2, the Magnificent Ms. Marvel, number 18. And we're going to get Marvel Voices Legacy, number 1, which is going to have Black Panther, Storm, Blade, Falcon, Ironheart, Luke Cage, and Spectrum. And so many more. Marvel's incredible legacy <laughs> of black heroes gets the star treatment in this action-packed special. New and established creators take on their favorite heroes in a dizzying array of stories designed to inspire and uplift. Your Barbie voice really <laughs> scares me. I know, I didn't really know what I was reading until I read that, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, it's the wrong voice, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was probably their big um, Black History Month. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like reading through this list, and I'm like, no clue what any of these people have to do with each other. <laughs> Although I don't really like what they've been doing with her recently, so mm. I'm still not going to buy it. So it's going to be an anthology, right? That's what I'm getting it's from this. short stories. Yeah. That's a lot of short stories, though. It'll be interesting. Like 80-page giant kind of thing. Yeah. Usually when Marvel has like their 80- or 100-page giants, they don't put it in the title like DC does. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think like if I liked any Marvel like giants, though. Like I'm, I don't think I've read any recently. I've, I've read a lot of anthologies for DC only. 
So I'm not gonna knock it, honestly. Like, if it was DC, I would probably have some quip about it, but I haven't read Marvel's anthologies that I can remember. So I'm just gonna say, could be good, could be bad, 50-50. I'd, I'd pick it up, actually. I just read the King and Black Black Panther tie-in. Mm-hmm. That was great. Really? I definitely recommend that. I'm curious to read Falcon. I like Luke Cage. And I've never read Blade, so... <gasps> yeah, that is... That's true. Blade is not. Yeah, he's really not common. very common anymore. That's okay. That's a good so point. It's, it's not yeah. just for Black History Month because it's got Venom, Domino, Venom. Who's the editor on this? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> we also have New Mutants number sixteen, Symbiote Spider-Man, Keenan Black number four. That is good. Yeah, you read it. That is written by Peter David. And the oh. art is from Greg Land. Well, Greg Land. anything from Pete David, you're just like, it, yes. It is great. Once again, uh, Symbiote Spider-Man is an alternate reality. He had the miniseries mm-hmm. called Alien Reality, which was five issues long. I definitely recommend that. This was good. Spectrum also made an appearance in the last issue of this. What? Which actually came out in December. So yes. I'm glad to see that it's finally coming back. I thought it got canceled. But yeah, I recommend it. Very cool. Oh, also, we have The Union number three, U.S. Agent number three, Warhammer 40,000, Marnius Calgar number five. I can't wait for that to end just so I can stop saying that title. (laughs) (laughs) It's a problem every time. I'm just surprised it got a a reboot. How can people promote that? Who wants to say that? (laughs) Wolverine number 10 and X-Men number 18. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Nice job. Yeah. Alright, before we fully wrap up, we also want to send a shout out and a plug to a friend of ours. Yeah! So, in a couple weeks, uh, first week of March actually, we are going to be having a guest on our show. He goes by Jedi Josh. He has a YouTube channel called Nerd Chat, where he basically discusses anything comic, superhero related, gaming, Star Wars, whole bunch of nerdy stuff all on one YouTube channel. He's a great guy. He is very down-to-earth, very personal. Me and V have watched a couple of his superhero videos where he does a few retellings of older comics that you may not have read, like the first appearance of Robin. He talks about a couple Flash Green Lantern team-ups, mine and Muse's favorite Superman-Batman comic run. Really great guy. He's going to be joining us in a couple weeks to talk about the second half of Future State. The good, a lot of the bad, and most likely a lot of the ugly. We're excited to have him on. You can find him at NerdChat Comics and Culture on YouTube. And you can also follow him on Twitter at JediJoshNC for NerdChat. Ah. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Outlets podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with all our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.